Hey everybody, it's your boy Jorge Bravo here. I'm telling you guys, do you want to check out the Three Count Podcast? It's pretty awesome. Thanks. Have a good one. It's the news that she raised. I all of your won't change Welcome everybody to another great edition of the Three Count Presents. Now entering the ring. I'm your host, Clifford Red Dog Miller, and we are going to go down our roster you can't see him, but he can see you. He is the one they call the icon, the Don. Give it up for the host of the Three Count Podcast, Chaz Evans. What's going on, Three Count Podcast listeners? It's your boy, it's your cousin, your nephew, the icon, the Don, Chaz Evans. Oh, man, is I'm excited for this one. <laughs> and as always, you guys see him always. I call him Q. Other people call him JJ. We all like to make fun of him and call him the Napster. Give it up for Joshua. You're muted. You're muted. This idiot. (laughs) (laughs) I I wasn't expecting my whole full government name getting spread out there. My name is not Joshua. My name is... I don't know, but I like to think the sidewalks keep me off the street, dangerous times, got a revolutionary war going on outside, so make sure you're locked and loaded, chitty chitty bang, murder everything, and that's all for me. (laughs) So, this is the Three Count Presents now entering the ring, which means that we have a special guest for you. Now, you've seen this man around, he's kind of demented, he lives in his own world, but... He has come to join us in ours today. Give it up for Mal Havoc. Put a little purification around here. Make it pure for the living God. How's everybody doing tonight? Hey, hey, Joshua, just be glad that they didn't let everybody know that your rest of your government name is Jabrowski. They kept that quiet on you. So I, I didn't I didn't mean to I, I didn't mean to just drop that on you there. I, I apologize. My bad. Anyway, back to you it's guys. All good. It's- so it's pretty simple how this works man we got three or four questions that we all like to ask you i'm gonna let chaz take the helm so chaz you're first up awesome awesome well mal uh thanks for being on the show uh my first question for you is i ask this to everyone that comes on the show how did you get into wrestling it's a good one uh it's actually it's kind of tiered um i really only dug my feet down and doing it seriously and hitting, you know, the, the indie wrestling scene here in the last six years. Um, a lot of that stems from Jason Dubinsky. Uh, I don't know if you guys know Jason Dubinsky, Jaybird. Uh, we all knew him as a little kid, but uh, Jason Dubinsky was kind of the first of our little group of, of guys that, that went indie and Jason brought a lot of knowledge. Uh, him and Andy Harner, uh, you know, really, tore it up together as a tag team and he for anybody who kind of follows the internet backyard scene of things he he really uh he set the standard for what a lot of these guys do I mean you know in 2005 he's doing the the stuff that you're seeing on AEW now um and Andy just really uh he gets a lot of praise from guys that are actually out there doing this stuff now and you know unfortunately Andy's done a lot of damage onto his body so you know I'm I'm Really hoping that uh, we get to see Andy here back in the in in, in the indie scene at some point. But uh, you know, we did a lot of uh, of messing around back in in 2005, and in that time, uh, Rob Noxious 
had invited my band to come rap on one of their shows and I would be in the ring doing our rap thing, you know, one of the heels would come down and, and, and start messing with us, you know, here comes the saviors for the day. And, you know, we did the three routines like that with Rob Knox just back in 05, 06. And it was a lot of fun, uh, but I never really delved into the wrestling thing the way that I should have. And, and I'll say that as kind of the precedent to it. There should have been more focus on the wrestling, but more was on the music. And I, I was very, at least for what I was doing, successful with the music. So, uh, you know, a lot of my focus was on, okay, while well, we're touring. But while I'm touring, I had these videos from what we did with Rob Noxious at CCW that I was able to send around to any of the local companies where we were traveling. So we'd go to Ohio, send it to the promotion that was running in town that weekend. And then, you know, I'd pick up a match where, you know, it was a you know, quick, oh, well, you know, playing later tonight, at, you know, wherever we're playing. And we'd come out and do just a quick little, you know, squash match. So my, my knowledge was this. And, and had, I, had I had the foresight at the time, but being young, you know, um, I just didn't. I, I don't know if I want to say I didn't have the the courage to ask Rob to help me, you know, and, and there was a guy that I didn't realize all these years, he would have helped me really expand into what I do and, and would have helped me really explode onto this team quicker than I did. So, um, you know, I took the knowledge that I had gotten from Jason Dubinsky and when he had passed away, uh, it, it was really, really crushing for me. You know, I, I, I went to do, his memorial show, and uh, at that point in time, I, I had uh, I had injured my back, so I just played in a management role, and uh, I realized at that moment, it's like, no, I, I I can't live my life like this, where you know my back's going to hinder me from being able to like even just do things that I enjoyed doing, and I was able to do five years before, um, and it kind of put me to the point where it's like, no, I'm I'm going to get my ass into the shape to do this. So I spent the next year really developing my character, building my online following for it, and uh, building into what I do now. Put time into working out in the gym, training, getting my back rehabbed. And, uh, you know, 2000, end of 2014, kind of burst into the West Virginia scene and moved up to doing SSW and uh, LTW. And it kind of really led to what I'm doing today. Awesome, awesome. So, my next question for you is, um, what's, well, not to say what, but who has been an inspiration for you so far uh, in your wrestling career? Uh, you know, it, it's, it's very, I, I'm going to say it's very staggered by the point in my, in my time frame with it, because, you know, when you really go back to the time frame of 2005, 2006, you're talking about a span of 14 years here. I haven't been doing this solid for 14 years, but it's kind of, okay, well, you know, this person led to point A and point B, and without these four individuals, I'm going to say that I wouldn't be doing anything that I'm doing right now. That's, of course, Jason Dubinsky uh, being the starting point. He was the he was the only person that really took the time to say, all right, look, you know, here here's what you need to do. Everybody else mess around in the backyard, blah blah blah. You know, here's kind of what you need to put together to make a match. You know, as opposed to just okay, well, let's do some high spots and jump off some barrels through, you know, into the bed of a truck. You know, and, mm -hmm. and uh, <laughs> you know, have, having him to actually take that time with me, you know, was 
amazing for me as far as like a, a friendship bonding level with him. Um, after Jason passed, uh, you know, and I, I didn't put much thought into it, but of course, you know, there's that early, early thing where I mentioned with Rob Noxious, uh, but he was, he's a very intimidating guy. I don't know if you, you're familiar with Rob. Oh, he's but, been a guest uh, on our show. <laughs> oh, yes, okay. yep, yeah. On the surface, Rob's very intimidating. You know what I mean? So like, it, I, it, it just, it, I should have stepped up to Rob at that time and been like, Hey, teach me. Let me, let me learn. Cause there's so much to learn from a guy like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, I wish I would have stepped up and said, Hey, teach me. Uh, but it took, <laughs> took a decade to get to that point. <laughs> um, after that, um, I'd met with Corey Gebhardt who runs SSW and uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to put this in, in joint collateral with their, uh, you know, I was working in an angle with uh, Corey where, for about two years, we were running the main event in SSW and uh, very storyline based, very character based. And uh, I had met Jim Norcross, uh, who goes under the name Diamond Dutch Cross. And me and Jim are like, it's Nick Bockwinkle, Bobby Heenan. You got two guys who can talk. You know, you, you got the guy who, who really sells my character and gets it to the point where it's like, no, this is the living God. I didn't come up with that myself. He did. I was, you know, I do the cult leader, blah, blah, blah. And I, he, he took it to that next level and made it, you know, matter. So halfway through that run with SSW where, you know, we're main eventing for two years and actually pulling decent numbers at the gate. Um, you know, of course, smaller buildings, but we're to carry a story on the Indies for that long and still have fan interest. I thought it was phenomenal. And, you know, he led me all the way to the point where I won the title. So, you know, Corey Gebhardt, Jim Norcross, you know, definitely instrumental in that point in my life. Coming out of that, um, you know, I, I got an awesome opportunity with Pro Wrestling Empire. Uh, unfortunately, they folded <laughs> after my first show there. You know, they, they pretty much folded after that. Um, not even pretty much. That was their last show. So, Unfortunately, uh, that opportunity, which I thought at the time, well, you know, here's a company that's drawing six, seven hundred people a show. You know, this is this is a cool break, and that was that. Uh, they lost their venue, and that can be the death note for some companies. And, and in their case, it definitely was. Um, at that point, uh, I picked up with Triple WA and got working with some of Rob's guys. First one being Malcolm King. And uh, are you familiar with Malcolm? We are very familiar with Malcolm. Yes, we are. It, it's it's like wrestling a grizzly bear. I mean, you know, he he takes us. <laughs> yeah, you, you can't hear it right out of your ear for the next three days. He smacks you in the neck. Uh, <laughs> now, you know, getting in there with Malcolm really kind of that was where things clicked, and it was like uh, my whole perspective on this changed. And uh, you know, working with Malcolm then led to Adrian Bliss and Rob both approaching me and uh, offering me spots respectively in uh, Valor and CCW and uh, coming on with Valor and CCW. I mean, that, 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 that was full circle for me, you know, being that I was, uh, you know, in, in my late teens, early twenties going to CCW shows and then rapping at CCW shows and then getting the opportunity to actually go into a CCW ring as one of their performers, it, it really brought that full circle to me. And being somebody, I, I don't have aspirations to go oh, to that next level. I can talk. I would love a talking position with any of the, you know, 
mainstream companies. But as far as what I'm aspiring to do, I got a family, you know, I, I'm not trying to take it to that next tier. So for me to get to, you know, CCW, which looking up to Rob all those years, it was kind of like, all right, you're, you're at that point where it's like it, things came full circle for me. I, I'm content. I'm happy with what I've done in the business, you know? Awesome. So my last question is a uh, more lighthearted question. Um, what's the hardest you've ever been hit in the wrestling ring? Hardest I've ever been hit. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, I'm going to, I'm going to break this down into, into two separate tiers. And, uh, the, the first, it, cause it, it was completely unexpected and it, it was probably my fault for cheating. Um, I black missed people and I had, uh, I, I forget who even was our manager at the time. Uh, I can't remember her name. It was, it was in St. Sam's valet was managing for us. And I called for the, the black mist and she threw the black mist to me and I caught it here in my chest. And as I caught it, Dokken gave me a stomp in the middle of my spine and it drove my black mist right into the middle of my chest, which is in a, you know, a plastic bottle, but it didn't have a lot of give with a foot going into the back. Uh, <clears throat> made me choke on my black mist. <laughs> I could barely spit it when I finally got up. But uh, yeah, that, that was definitely the most impactful feeling hit that I had just because it got me right in the sternum, you know, and mm -hmm. it was really unexpected. Uh, my least favorite hit to take is because I'm a germaphobe. I really, really, I, I get out of the wrestling ring. Uh, Purell, Purell, you know. Uh, Chucky Manson's uh, thumbtack bat. Thing that isn't even hard, but it's got all those little thumbtacks in it. And, you know, God only knows whose back it was in before mine. And, oh. Uh, oh. So, yeah, that really, it really freaks me out, you know. And, uh, yeah, so I wasn't. I was none too happy about that, but you know, I, I got the light end of that. Cyrus Parker took took it into the middle of the head, and uh, you know, he t he told me afterwards. He said, "Oh, there's fragments of of thumbtacks in my head," and I'm like, "Sure, there are, buddy." And then uh, he went to the doctor, and they actually did an X-ray, and there's fragments of Chucky oh. Manson thumbtacks in his actual head. <laughs> so to this day he still has fragments of thumbtacks in his head <laughs> i oh, i didn't think for a second when he told me this i'm like sure they are and then i read the doctor's report it's not even like he told me the doctor said it i read the doctor's report <laughs> there are thumbtacks yeah. in his head. <laughs> that would be terrible for getting like an mri <laughs> yeah right right so you gotta pull out up to the surface oh. yeah that that I, I don't know. Just the germaphobe in me makes that the worst hit you can take. I don't want to take a, a hit from a thumbtack bat that I don't know how many other indie dudes that that was in, but <laughs> I'm good. I, I am good. I took that one, that one from it. I don't ever want to go near that damn bat again. <laughs> few things that just make you go. <laughs> right. So I'm going to go and then we'll give it up to JJ to uh, finish up and then we'll do the 10 count questions. So my question for you is every wrestler has one and I'm just curious about your story. What has been your favorite fan interaction? Um, 
man, that's tough. You know, I, I, <laughs> I I'm, a, I'm a sucker for the kids, Matt. Like, you know, if, if there's a, a, a child fan and they, they write and they want a picture, it's, it's going to get to them, you know. It might take me a little while because I'm lazy with going to the post office. So unless I got something to mail to eBay, I'm not, you know, I don't, I hate the post office. It's, it's like, it, it, it ranks right with the DMV as far as like actual places that are like layers of hell on earth. So I really try to avoid the post office, but you know, anything that in, involves anything that you can do reaching out to, you know, to children. So when we do the special Olympic shows, those are awesome. Uh, when we do the, the autism shows, those are awesome. And it, it, you can't really rank one above the other, but at any time where you can feel that, you know, you're making a difference or, or, you know, really matter. Every time I go to triple WA, you know, there there's special needs fans there and like you're you're a rock star to that man, you know. Every time it doesn't matter how many autographs of yours they have, they're coming up with their poster every show and you're signing them. Um, you know, and there there's one child I <laughs> I thought it was pretty cool because, you know, it, it's it, it was like, you know, feeling like a make a wish situation where uh this one fan, Jocelyn, she was in the uh John Hopkins Center. And I thought, oh, this is the coolest thing, blah, blah, blah. Well, I get there and I find out Tommy Dreamer just left 30 minutes before I got there. <laughs> so, like, how do you top that? Like, oh, oh, well, okay, well, here's some pendants, you know? <laughs> but, you know, it was cool. She, you know, I, I, there, her mom sent some photos over with her wearing the shirts and the pendants that I, I had dropped off and stuff. She really liked the pendant, so... That was cool, but you know it's really hard to top Tommy Dreamer. Like Tommy Dreamer is there earlier in the day. I think Shawn Michaels sent her a get well on Twitter. So like, <laughs> you're up here, and then down here. <laughs> well, you gotta be. You know, it's you're in her top three now, like of all time favorites. I, I hope so. I hope so. <laughs> I know a couple of the other guys top three, but hopefully, you know, Living God status stands for something. You know, right? I mean. Shawn Michaels is retired. Tommy Dreamer, you know, he's still doing his thing. But you're right there. You're right there. <laughs> so my next question for you, and this is probably going to be like one of the, the heaviest that I ask you, what's been the hardest thing about pro wrestling for you? Doing it the right way. Getting into the business the right way. And, and doing it the wrong way for so long and then having to figure out why it was wrong and and fix it and then trying to go back to people and tell them look you're going to do this do it the right way and I, I don't care how good you are in your backyard blah 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 like it, bookers will book that now if you can sell tickets but you don't get the psychology you don't get the the know-how on how to keep yourself safe how to keep other people safe and and I think that's a mistake that a lot of indie guys make, you know, um, trying to jump into the indies right from the backyard. And I know even though, you know, we had a warehouse and we and that was one thing that was really cool. You know, we, we had a warehouse down in Lebanon where we were training and, you know, getting together weekly and going over different aspects of it, everything from commentary to video work. And but it just never was where it should have been and, and got me where I needed to be now. So it's like, <laughs> you, you can climb the hill and, and just go at this incline the whole way, or you can climb the hill and, and have an incline that's a little bit lower, but then have a lot bigger of a hill, hill to hit at the end. And, uh, you know, unfortunately I hit the hill at the end at a, an older age than what I should have. 
And I, I think about that. And it's like, you know, if I would have taken the time to learn how to do it right the first time, you know, I mean, I have, I have an album out on Def Jam, which is really cool, but I, I like wrestling a lot more than I like music. You know, the music business was taxing on me. Wrestling's a release. You know, I, I, I love every time I get the ring and, and get to the fans. And it doesn't matter if it's training or, or if it's, you know, an event. Every week I go to training, all of a sudden, you know, I, I, could, I could be like this. I'm up here, you know. And I'm, I'm ready to go very rarely, unless it's like 98 degrees out and, I, and then I'm ready to like, give me a chair, <laughs> you know, but I'm very heat sensitive. So like, you know, it, in, unless it's hot out, I, you know, there, there's nowhere that I'd rather be, you know, outside of with my family is to be in a wrestling ring, you know, and I, I never felt like that with music. I, I put 15 years into music. I, I put out a label on uh, yeah, a label, an album on a major label, which was amazing you know, how many people can say that, but this is better, you know? And, and it's funny because the politics of the business are the same. You know, I, and I tell people all the time and, and it's funny. They're like, Oh, how'd you get into the wrestling? I'm like, I was in the music business. Like, well, how does that really, it's the exact same damn business. Music business is the stripper business is the, the wrestling business. And they're all the same damn business. You know, it's just, a different trade in between it, but it, it's, it's all the same variables and, and same ways that, you know, it, it operates. I and mean, a lot of that has to do with, you know, mutual respect and, and, you know, really trusting the people you work with, you know, and that's, that's the same for all three of those businesses. You know, it's funny. Cause um, I was just listening to um, Mega Ran, his uh, song sunset flip with uh, Xavier Woods. And uh, they were talking about that. Like, he said, what do you mean it's the same business, just different, just different notes? Or he's talking about it's the same sheet of music, just some different notes. And I, it's, it's crazy to hear it that way. But when I look back at it, I'm just like, yeah, actually, you know what? That's very much how it is. And it's, it, you know, I, I even was telling my booking agent, you know, because she, she, she's been really lost. Like, that was all she did for five years. You know, all, all she did was make phone calls for me all day. So now she's really lost and she gets caught up into my political stuff now. And then, <laughs> so she follows that religiously. I'm like, I'm like, Joelle, get into the wrestling. And she's like, what do you mean? I'm like, it, it's the same thing. Like, you know, it, you could do this because it's a lot of networking PR and, and, you know, who you talk to and how you talk to them. And, and, you know, if, and a lot of guys lack that, you know, a lot of guys don't know how to approach somebody, don't know how to talk. And, and I've been blessed because of being in the music business that I can do that. You know, I don't, I, I'm not shy about taking, taking an opportunity or, you know, going to earn an opportunity, you know, and, and that's how it's always been in the music, music business for me. You know, I, I go out and support the bands that I enjoyed locally and hope that an opportunity opened up for me, you know, and that's, that's a lot of the wrestling business. You know, if you, if you go to a show and, you know, help carry some wood, you might get a spot on it. Yeah. Yeah. That's very true. But networking is 100% the business and uh, I, it's something I thoroughly enjoy as well. So I can agree with that. Um, my last question for you, man, is what drives you in the business? Uh, you know, it, it, I, that's a that's a interesting load question because uh when i first started it was really okay well i want to do something cool that my kids can really appreciate you know hey dad went out there and did this because they could never do that with the music you know the music they were stuck at home 
they didn't get to go out and enjoy time with me. You know, literally my music took my time away from my kids. And so the wrestling, it was, all right, well, I want to do this so that way my kids can enjoy it with me and, you know, we can share in that. And it's something that I'm, I'm physically doing where, you know, I'm going to their baseball games, I'm going to their soccer games, you know, they can come in and see me do, do what I do. And uh, so that was my big driving force at, at the beginning. But now six years later, these kids are wrestling down, but I'm not, I, I'm having way too much fun with this. And, and so, you know, they were my, really my inspiration to get in and do it. But, and, you know, I mean, I, I, I started a wrestling company with my dad. He just passed away in February, you know, and, and now with, with him gone, it's, it's my company. And, and that's not what I wanted. I didn't want to be the guy that's, that's running the company. You know, I, I wanted some input. I wanted to say, no, these are my guys. Well, now it's mine. So, you know, once, once the, the restrictions lighten up a little bit, so that way, uh, you know, I, I can start running in, in a bar again, because that's where we run as a bar. That's definitely my plans. Uh, we're going to, be back up and running and that's going to be my driving force then it's i own a company i have i have other other workers that all want to be out there and 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 have that opportunity too and keeping it fresh for them and keeping it something new and different not just a an, an indie show but something that's got story that's got you know we do live presentations multiple camera angles and commentary all going out live streamed you know keeping that aspect of it and keeping it you know constantly rolling you know every other month that's that's kind of the driving force now it's it's the unexpected driving force it's not what i had initially planned on but you know if the kids interest lower and my dad passing away that's where i'm at you know and and i'm going to keep going with it I, I i love wrestling you know i i've been watching since uh, the very first memory I have is Macho Man Randy Savage dropping the bell down on uh, Ricky Steamboat's larynx. You know, that, that's my first wrestling memory. I, I didn't like either of them, and I'm like, oh, this is this is garbage. It's just, you know, my dad was in my head about it because you know he didn't he, he didn't like the violence. But you know, as I got into it, you know, he started taking me to the shows. We'd go, you know, buy the nosebleed seats. We'd sneak down to the floors, and then go up front. And I, I just posted some amazing photos from Hershey, you know, Roddy Piper and Rick Rude in, in the steel cage, and, and it looks like we're right there because we ran up to the front. And we had those opportunities, great photos, and I got licked by one of the bushwhackers once. So you know, that kind of. <laughs> kind of created that, you know, environment for me. Uh, everything was Roddy Roddy Piper, and I, I was bummed out when, when you know, he quit. And, you know, for me, it was always Piper, then Hogan, and then Kamala. And, I, you know, so I'm really bummed out about that, too, man. That, that was crushing on Sunday, man. Like, my wife's like, you're not going to cry, are you? I'm like, I don't know. I'm feeling pretty close to it. <laughs> like, this is Kamala. Like, <laughs> I, I just I, – I just, message a guy on Facebook twice within the last six months trying to, you know, but I, I came to find out, I guess he was having ongoing health issues and he wasn't checking his Facebook messages. And uh, that explained why, but I, I really wanted to book him and I was there because I knew he'd lost both of his legs. I'm like, oh, I'd really like to have Kamala, you know? So unfortunately that time has passed now, but you know, it's, it's just doing what I love. Keep, keeps it going, man. You know? Yeah, I mean, I definitely, I, I got you, man. 
Um, so I'm going to give it up to JJ now. All righty. What's up, JJ? How you doing? I'm doing great. All righty. So I guess it's my turn. My first question I want to ask you is, in your opinion, what do you think is the most important aspect of the business, of the wrestling business? Psychology. Psychology, because it's not, <laughs> you know, if you would have asked me this four years ago, I, I would have glanced right over it. Uh, spending the last year and a half, two years with Rob and, and learning why I do things in the ring. Learning why I'm going to focus on on the build in the match. And, and guys don't do it. You know, when you see an Irish, uh, one guy Irish whip in a tag match, his opponent into the opponent's corner so they can make a tag. Like, why did that just happen? You know, and, and it's, it's really, <laughs> it's amazing in the last, you know, year and a half, two years, how my mind has changed when I watch wrestling, when I watch a match. And it's like, oh, why did that just happen? You start saying things under your breath, you know, <laughs> you know, get you get so hot on it when it's like oh my god this, why did that just happen you know and 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 that psychological standpoint on it's so important because if i'm gonna take you by the arm and i'm gonna whip you into the corner like that you shouldn't be moving and i don't care how big i am and how small you are but if i'm not gonna if i'm not gonna get the full force you know and, and get that going in you why if i'm gonna throw a forearm on you and, and you're not collapsing under it why am i throwing it you know, every move that I do now, I, I try to make sure that it's got the most purpose possible with as little exertion as possible too. 460 pounds, 500 pounds, you know, it's a lot of weight to move. So if I'm hitting you and I'm exerting that energy to hit you, it's going to be from back here. And, you know, I'm going to drive that, that hit through because why exert more energy than have to, you know? You know, I, I understand. Yeah, I I I understand completely, because I've recently been like, you know, seeing matches and it's like, oh wait, you know, I understand more. You know, as you're starting to get older, you start to realize, you know, how the business works. So my next question for you: What would be the best advice you could give to up and coming wrestlers coming into the industry? Find a school, reputable one, reputable one preferably, and train. If you got something near you, I go an I, I go an hour and a half almost to get to the Rob's training facility. Go, an hour and a half is nothing, and and if you're depending on where you're at in, in Pennsylvania, you know you got the dungeon, which is only an hour away from Fort Noxious. You know, so you got an option in, in, in the Reading area. You got an option in the Harrisburg area. Just do it. You know, get find a center train and and you know, if if you can get the multiple centers, go to go to the seminars. You know, and when when you got an opportunity to learn from Mikey Whipwreck for ten bucks or, or fifteen bucks, like you did at the RWF show when I booked Mikey Whipwreck in, and I wasn't trying to break any wrestlers banks on it and uh not one wrestler that wasn't on the show attended the seminar and it's just asinine to me if you if you want to get an opportunity 
take every opportunity that is there and, and to learn from somebody like Whipwreck for 15 bucks, you're out of your mind not to go. Everybody from Fort Noxious was there, but you know, it, <laughs> it, it, it's asinine, you know, I mean, I, I get it. If there's, you know, $50 and it's like five hours away, you can't make it. But you know, if there's something that, you know, within any type of reasonable distance and price range be there, you know, and, and that's, that's one thing that, you know, I haven't delved into is the, uh, you know, the, the, the name seminars myself, I'd like to, you know, finding the time around juggling, being a dad, you know, that's what it really comes down to. You know, you got to take the time to really dedicate it to perfecting what you do. And so I think that's the most important thing for anybody getting into it, realize that it's a dedication. You know, you're, you're not just going out there and it's not all, all fame and glory and you get to go out and woo the fans, you know, and, and some guys are brought in that way and probably shouldn't have been given all the big pushes that they were right out the gate because it, it, it hinders them. I, and it did for me. I, I, I did over 100 matches without ever taking a loss. I think, I think our official count was 149-0 and 0 before I, I took my first pinfall. But, I mean, that was, that was in four different companies. So, you know, my, my size led to those advantages and it was probably the biggest crippling factor for me was the fact that I didn't lose and I should have, you know, and I, I should have, I should have been counting the stars a couple of times before I even got to that opportunity. And, and I did, but I, I think that younger guys need that. They need, they need to go somewhere to grow and learn and really cut their teeth before they get in front of an audience because not everybody's got that natural presence, you know? Yeah. Wow. I, wow. 149. 149 was the count. It was over a hundred matches though in four different companies. So. Wow. That's, that's insane. (laughs) All right. So my last and final question for you, let's say we had a time machine, right? And we fast forward five years. Where do you see yourself? In five years, you know, I I I wish that I I could put a lot of hopes and aspirations past you know everything going on in the world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I just want to get the shows back up and running. I'm I'm looking next year. You know what I mean? I want to look at 2021 and say, hey, you know, I, I want RWF, which is which is now my company. Um, you know, I want RWF to be able to run you know seven real successful shows. And I, I'd love for RWF to get to the point where we're running monthly shows, doing tapings and, you know, putting ourselves at least on a level where, you know, we can pick up some streaming service, you know. Uh, and that was really where we set out. We were looking to do stuff for, you know, with Facebook TV. And then, you know, after three shows and Facebook TV not really taking off the way that I thought it was going to, not our Facebook TV necessarily, but just the whole concept in, ge- in general. Facebook TV never really took the launch like I thought you know when I seen that they were running major league baseball I thought man this needs a wrestling program this this right here needs a wrestling program and that's what we set out set out to do was really we were trying to catch a an actual sponsored Facebook TV but I think that Anderson Cooper and all the uh, (laughs) journalists who were getting 1,000 views for their live stream shows. It kind of killed the whole business of that. And those guys got paid a lot of money to really not draw anybody to watch their shows. So I think that, you know, uh, we haven't, re- I, I, have you guys heard anything about Facebook TV? Lately? I, 
I remember, no, 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 no. I was thinking about WWE when they were running their shows on there and they were getting like 800 maybe. And at most, like in the second season of their Mixed Max Challenge, I think they were like two, 300. Like, yeah, and, and, and numbers like that really, it, it didn't help the calls. You know what I mean? So it, it was great because our, our streams would hit, a, you know, three, four, five thousand. You know, our live streams were only hitting like 80, 90 people. And unless you wanted to put advertising money behind it, you weren't going to hit more than that. But our commercials always hit 10,000 plus. So, I mean, that was cool. And, you know, we only put about 60 bucks into the commercials as far as, you know, the paid spots or money. And I think the most we put into it was a hundred and that was for the Scott Steiner show that didn't happen. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, there's definitely a market there, but nobody knows how to tap it yet. You know, Facebook's kind of, and honestly, I, I think Facebook's kind of on the decline as a social media. Uh, it's there. And one of the cool things that Facebook has that the other mediums don't have is the fact that when a video pops up it automatically starts playing, where with YouTube, you have to specifically know the link, go find it. And I, I just think YouTube's not the right medium for something like this. Facebook is, but Facebook just, the people haven't adapted to it yet. And I don't know if they will. I, I you know, my, my son said to me, he's like, Facebook, dad, stop sending me messages on Facebook. Nobody uses Facebook. I'm like, what do you use? He's like, Instagram. I'm like, Instagram's owned by Facebook, dude. Like, it's it's the same thing. <laughs> I just don't get down with Instagram. All it is is photos. I, I want stories. I want, you know, I'm a, I'm a politics guy, man. So, I mean, Facebook's kind of the right playground for me, I guess. You know, but that's really Twitter and Facebook. That's all they become anymore is, you know, political posts. They do. They really do. And it's funny, even for us, man, like, to help like promote the show it's i guess we're talking about it uh we use uh facebook instagram twitter tiktok if TikTok. that's when this episode debuts someone's gonna be like what was tiktok because they're not because <laughs> you know but that might become a reality sooner than later if they do end up uh pulling the plug on tiktok <laughs> yeah that's what i'm saying because like so we have like a lot of episodes that we we've done um and so to think about like there's a 45 day executive order that got signed and we're like, oh, okay, cool. So this isn't going to be a thing. So we have to try to move this to reels and we still have a YouTube channel we got to do. And so, yeah, it's definitely, uh, yeah. Trying to be adaptive to the whole market, just social media markets. It's insane. And trying to stay on the cusp is even worse. So it's, it's what it is. <laughs> and that's really, really the thing you gotta, you gotta get into it when, it's hitting hot. You know, MySpace, it was at the point that Tequila hit a million followers. MySpace was on the down, down, you know, downward spiral. Uh, she got a TV show out of it and blah, blah, blah. Great for her. But the brand itself was done and Facebook started creeping in and I'm like, yeah, it just really didn't interest me. I, I, I started mine in like 2008. I think it was 2000, which was way before everybody else had them. So it just didn't have anything to interest me. And then next thing I knew, it's like, oh, okay, well, okay, there's, there's people on this thing now. There's something here. It's got, you know, it's got changing content, but I don't know. You, you really got to kind of keep your ear to it and be like, oh, well, what, what's, and for me, it's not social media. I'd rather keep my, my 
ear to the financial currencies and what's going to go up in value and down and, you know, get into that before it's fluxed. So, I mean, that, that's just me, you know, I'm, I'm more, you know, business minded like that where, okay, you know, there, there's, there's something to it, you know, the, the social media, it's a thing, it exists, but knowing that ripple currency is going to be accepted as a global currency is way more important to me. <laughs> I want to invest in Ripple now. Let, let's get some money put into Ripple as some advice for all of you guys. <laughs> Understood. No, I, I to date to give you an idea of how how old I am. I was invited to Facebook through my college email address. That's that'll tell you. I think I was like in the two thousands of like people who were on Facebook when it first came out. There you go. <laughs> 2003, man. I'll never forget it. Um, I didn't even know Facebook was around in 2000. I didn't know yeah. that was a thing. Yeah. I had, I had I, my I, I, I I had a code. I was so cool. I had a top 32. Yeah, we didn't have top five. Like everybody else was like, oh, my top eight. I had top 32 because I learned how to code finally. So yeah, I was able to do all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> And that, that was the one thing about MySpace that was really cool. I think you said Facebook. I got you. So 2003, you were on MySpace. So I was on MySpace in 2002. I was on Facebook in 2003. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I think and that, that's the one thing that, you know, I, I think if Facebook ad adopted, it could really become a lot. Oh, there goes my banner. It's falling. Uh, <laughs> but I think if Facebook kind of adopted the same uh, type of uh, mentality that MySpace had where you could edit your page to your liking, like to that full, you know, coding level that they had it, you know, I, I think it might find new life, but I don't know, but both mediums seem like they're on the downward trend. Yeah. I remember when it was uh, like and poke, like that was the only things you could do on Facebook. So <laughs> enough with like reminiscing about the past, man, we're going to talk about these world famous 10 count questions. So on to the questions. It's pretty simple. Ten questions. First thought that comes to your mind. We're going to put on the imaginary timer. Bing! There it is. And here we go. Raw or SmackDown? Raw. Favorite Tool song? You're pandering to the shirt, aren't you? I am pandering to the shirt. <laughs> song two. We won't call it by its proper name. <laughs> it's a Friday night. What are you doing? Spending time with the kids. Right on. Wrestling. Yeah. Uh, no, actually, every Friday now is, is wrestling training night for me. It was Sundays, but I've moved to Fridays because it's too hot during the day on Sundays. So, <laughs> training. Best wrestling faction. Man. What's my time limit on this? <laughs> look I, i'm i'm gonna say one that nobody's probably gonna expect the brood the brood everybody's gonna say dx nwo no the brood that was the coolest entrance in wrestling ever period the rising up out of the flames the spitting of the blood i mean so much happened before they got in the ring yes i can i can agree with that um, the last show you binge watched. Oh my God. What is that? Future man. And if you haven't seen it, watch it. <laughs> yeah, check it the out. Best. Future man, man is amazing. 
Batman or Superman? Batman. Hey, let's go. Too hot or too cold? Uh, I, I like it too cold. So always too cold. <laughs> Hawk or animal? Animal. Hey, let's go. Favorite movie? The Crow. Definitely Ooh. The Crow. Yes. Less yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I got married on Halloween because of The Crow. Okay. <laughs> and, 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 my, and my son is Draven. So, you know, yeah. Brandon Lee is my dude. And last but not least, my favorite question to ask every single person that comes on this show. Favorite curse word? Favorite curse word? <laughs> Am I supposed to say it? Yes. <laughs> Cunt. Hey, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> because when, when, when you're on a phone call and, and somebody just pushes that final button and you, you can cunt and that blurts out, that, that's the end of the call. That, that is like, there's nothing that they're going to say after you call them a cunt that is going to redeem that call. It is over. <laughs> they're going to tell you, sir, I will not tolerate that type of language. I'm disconnecting this call now. Or, or they'll tell you, uh, you'll receive mail from your bank telling, telling you that you're no longer allowed to bank there. And that, you know, if you come onto the premises of the bank, they will press charges. <laughs> it's happened. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but th- that word is the end all of end alls. And when, when, when once you once you say that word, it's it's over. There's nothing that they're gonna say, and there's nothing you can say to apologize. No, that, that is the end of it. That is that is a game ender. You are correct, <laughs> sir. I can drop as many f bombs as I want, and people are gonna be, sir. I will not, sir. We will not talk like that. You don't have to use that kind of language. But once you drop the C-bomb, no. That's it. You're out. Get out. You're done. (laughs) Well, I feel like it's a positive note to end. Next step after that is a call to the cops. That's that's just the next progressive. Leave the property now, and then you're banned. And and, and I've gotten really good with that. I've I've gotten that under control with not getting kicked out and banned from places. But I'll tell you what I found most, most weird about that in life being of my stature, being that I'm, I'm the size of two of most of these people that I come into contact with. Um, I found that being nice gets the cops calling me a lot quicker when I disagree with them. <laughs> so I'm talking to you in a tone like this and, and, and I'm explaining to you my point of view. And the second I stand up, if I'm in a seated position or the second, like if I'm leaning and I rise up, it's like the challenge has been made and I'm not even challenging. I'm just trying to talk. And it's like, you need to leave and you get that, you know, the whole cop routine. And it's, it's, it's about on my nerves now at this point, to be quite <laughs> frank with you. I, uh, I'm a, I'm a big guy. You know, I, I got, uh, <laughs> I got bronchial asthma, you know, or as they call it now, they call it like sports related asthma. Yeah. So, Guess what I can't wear right now? Is anything over over there? But anything outside of wearing a mask for 30 seconds, just I can't. And let me tell you how that goes over when you go into these places that are very insistent that you wear one. And it's like, sir, I, you know, here's the regulations. And I'll pull it out on my phone. And I'm like, look, come here. And I'll the, phone. the second that I'm like, 
look, is this the decision you want to make? Leave. <laughs> Without fail. But, but I did get a $50 gift card from Kohl's. I, I, I did. The, the store manager heard about the situation the next day after, after they kicked me out. And he called me and he apologized. And he sent me a $50 gift card. So sometimes you're waiting. But they did totally kick me out of Kohl's yesterday. <laughs> it's terrible, man. It's like, I'm, I'm awful. People are more fanatical about these these damn masks than they are condoms. Like, we should be focusing on you know wearing protection for that instead of you know our our, our rat holes. <laughs> that is that is so true. <laughs> so true. Oh man. Okay. We can talk. We can, we got to wrap this up. So on that note of always wear protection, whether it's a mask, even though I know you can, or for medical reasons, you cannot, or, you know, you just not wanting to get somebody pregnant. Okay. Protection. But that is the three count podcast. Now entering the ring, the man, Mal Havoc. Also on the show, you know, is JJ because he's awesome too. So I'm Clifford Red Dog Miller and tune into the next episode. So be there or be somewhere else. What's going on, Three Count Nation? I'm Clifford Red Dog Miller with the catchphrase. But what I really want to do right now, go to twitter.com, right? Go over there, find us at the three count underscore pod, give us a follow, give us a like, give us a comment. We want to talk to you guys. Go to IG at the three count pod. Give us a like. Give us a follow. Leave us a comment. We want to interact with you. Go to YouTube.com. Give us a subscribe. Turn the bell on. Turn on notifications. Leave a comment. We want to talk to you. Go to anger.fm forward slash the three count podcast. And in there, you can leave us a message and we will talk to you. Basically, what I'm trying to tell you is that we want to talk to you. We want to have fun with you guys and we love listening to what you guys have to say. Also, one thing I need you to do for me, the three count podcast also has merchandise oh. at prowrestlingtees.com forward slash three count pod please go buy our t-shirts we love you guys and we hope you love us too so show us some support please <laughs>